When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The T-Biz Podcast delivers T-News that you need to know. A recap of the week's major headlines with commentary and cultural trends hosted by Dan Bolton. It is the voice of origin for tea professionals and enthusiasts worldwide. Think of us as a digital caravan of storytellers, bringing authentic, authoritative, and exclusive stories to you weekly from the tea lands. Hello, everyone. Here are this week's headlines. Generation Z and Leisurely Tea. The survey shows retail frontline workers exhausted and underappreciated. And India's Tea Employment Plateau. Plus, T-Biz travels to Kansas City, Missouri, to discuss with Emily Jackson, founder of Emily's French Teas, the ongoing evolution of specialty retail at independent shops and tea rooms. More in a minute, but first, this important message. What makes a perfect cup of Ceylon tea? The perfect cup is from the tea businesses that ensure the protection of all the children living within their tea estates. We salute Kailani Valley, Telawakili, Bogawanthalawa, Harana, and Eliptia Tea Estates. Support Save the Children, Sri Lanka. Post-COVID, young people in the UK report doing quieter activities and a longing for spending time alone. Those embracing the trend model grandma-era coastal clothing on TikTok, watch old movies, and engage in leisurely pursuits, including crochet, knitting, and needlepoint, crafts and painting, and a quiet cup of tea. No cohort has changed the American tea market as fast as the country's 73 million millennials, born between 1981 and 1996, and the 61 million member Gen Zers, born 1997 to 2012. Their preferences and values exert tremendous influence, leading brands to expand the range of options, market authentic and multiple styles of tea, and modernize the way tea is prepared and presented, writes Janice Hashi in Tea Journey magazine. This spring, a survey commissioned by the UK publication The Face quantified the view that the pandemic had a negative or very negative impact on their future. Most Gen Z respondents, 76%, felt the pandemic negatively impacted their mental health, with those aged 18 to 21 most affected. Respondents also long for a time alone and more space for self-reflection that helped to establish your identities and core values. A surprising 67% of 14 to 23-year-olds say they sometimes missed lockdown life. Quote, what is new 
is that they dare to talk about these pastimes, and nobody's reproaching them for choosing this way of life, writes the Star. A 2019 global data survey revealed that Gen Z consumers have a definite preference for green tea at 38%, compared to black tea at 19%. The same survey asked Gen Zers what flavors and infusions they preferred in tea. They opted for herbal and sweet at 67%. Millennials preferred fruity, 72%, and herbal, 64%. Plain or unflavored options garnered the lowest responses for both generations in this survey. Gen Z is intensely social, as evidenced by their preference for gathering to enjoy milk and bubble tea, a segment expected to reach 3.39 billion globally by 2027, according to Fortune Business Reports. A CLSA survey in 2019 found that in China, 94% of those aged between 21 and 29 had purchased bubble tea in the past three months. There are 250 million Gen Zers in China and 300 million millennials. Studies of millennial food and beverage preferences indicate that they are, quote, more experiential, end quote, and extremely interested in how their choices affect their body function. Quote, younger U.S. consumers tend to prioritize all-natural and plant-based ingredients, end quote, writes Howard Telford, head of soft drinks research at Euromonitor International. Quote, both concepts are inextricably linked to what the younger consumer considers a healthier beverage and, crucially, linked to what the consumer is willing to pay for that on the shelf. Ron Thurston is upbeat about retail. Thurston, the author of Retail Pride and host of the Retail in America podcast, writes that, quote, when you look at the retail profession, the way of working has evolved tremendously. The multidisciplinary role of the brick-and-mortar store teams, the complex omni-channel process, and the rising consumer expectations all make working in this industry more challenging and exciting at the same time, end quote. His remarks appear in the forward to a just-released survey of Frontline Employee Experiences 2022, with responses from 1,400 frontline workers in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., and France. The study was financed by Ubik, a software platform that companies use to help manage frontline employees. In 2020, retail workers were considered frontline heroes, according to the 30-page report that accompanies the survey. Quote, At the height of the pandemic, frontline workers were finally recognized as the linchpins of the retail and hospitality industries, but this was short-lived. As restrictions have eased and the frenzy of the early lockdown died down, the newfound admiration and public praise for frontline workers has faded, end quote. A third of respondents say their post-pandemic interactions with customers are now worse or somewhat worse, and 43% say that job demands and the amount of work required is worse. 
half say that employee staffing has changed for the worse since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. According to the survey, frontline retail workers are managing increased workloads with fewer hands on deck in the midst of the Great Resignation. 72% say they are exhausted at the end of their shift, and while 63% want to stay in their current industry, fewer than half, 44%, feel their organization is investing in their development. Only 16% feel that their organization highly values their role. Quote, Approximately 4 million people are handing in their notice every month, with retail and hospitality experiencing record-breaking quit rates, according to the survey. Yet, it is a myth that frontline workers only want to stick around short-term. Quote, most of the workforce, 63%, would like to stay four more years. A majority, 69%, said they are proud of their work, 68% feel close to their co-workers, and 65% report they enjoy using the variety of skills required of frontline employees. Here is what at least one in five say they need to meet today's challenges. Number one, Increased pay, 25%. Two, increased employee recognition. Incentives for high-performing employees. Communication that is clearer and frequent. And greater flexibility in scheduling. Quote, Employees want more than just more money, writes Zubik. When we ask them which workplace attributes they feel are most important... They rank trusting their employer and feeling valued and supported by management almost as highly as their wage. To meaningfully invest in employees and make frontline careers attractive again, you need to invest in solutions that combat the tough realities that frontline workers face daily, concludes Ubik. The Times of India recently published a statistical analysis that offers useful insight into the tea industry's labor challenges. Labor requirements vary by region, but generally account for 65 to 70 percent of the cost of production. Wage minimums are fixed, and much work is seasonal. Dr. Prashant Prabhakar Deshpande writes that 10 million people derive their livelihood from tea, of which 51% are women. He notes that since 2006, the number of tea plantation employees has plateaued. Growth remains stagnant, he writes. Temporary workers account for most of the 1.26 million directly employed in tea cultivation and processing. Despondi calculated the decadal change in employment from 1950 to 1959, Labor declined by 3% during those years, followed by a further 12% decline from 1960 to 1969. During the next 30 years, the number of tea workers surged along with increases in acreage, yield, and exports, according to Despande. Plantation employment increased from 750 to 850,000 people during the 1970s, and expanded by another 200,000 during the 1980s. 
During the 1990s, the growth rate exceeded 20%, and employment topped 1 million. The rate then slowed to a net gain of 50,000 workers during the early 2000s. Quote, from 2010 to 2016, for seven years, the change in labor employment in tea plantations was zero, he writes. In fact, since 2006, there has been no change in the employment in the tea plantations in India, end quote. Business Insight Reforms to the Tea Act, now under consideration, are designed to re-energize the sector and will likely stimulate employment, with investments in automation being a necessary counterweight long-term. Tea employs relatively few among the nation's 100 to 150 million farmers, but tea can be a profitable cash crop. The industry is expected to generate $15.7 billion in revenue in 2022. By comparison, India's 5 million information technology workers generated $200 billion in revenue in 2021. India's workforce of 501 million workers is second only to China, but almost double the 169 million workers employed in the U.S., Arvinda Anantharaman in Bengaluru reports on this week's tea auction prices. India tea price report for the week ending 23rd July 2022. This week's report comes from Munnar in Kerala where the monsoon is in full swing but the rain has paused for a couple of days. The Med Department continues to report heavy rains in Assam, Meghalaya and also the Nilgiris. In markets, Russian imports of both CTC and Orthodox has reportedly increased over the last fortnight. In auctions, sale 29 saw good demand for both leaf and dust in Guwahati. Major blenders were active and prices were marginally higher than the previous week with fewer unsold lots. In Kolkata, Orthodox tea saw strong demand and the Middle East was active. The other categories of CTC and dust also saw good demand. Exporters were active for Darjeeling with 55% sold. Average prices were lower than the previous week, with only CDC leaf seeing slightly higher prices. In the south, Kochi saw improved prices for leaf tea grades, and exporters to the CIS countries in the Middle East were active. In Kunur, 92% of CDC leaf on offer was sold, and all the green tea on offer was sold. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hello, I'm Bogdan a passionate tea drinker and the inventor of the ultimate tea machine, the Brewmaker One. Preparation is key to making fine tea. Sequential steepings deliver the best taste possible and unlock the true value of whole leaf teas and botanicals. Brew automates that process without using any pots or capsules. This simple-to-operate, smartphone-control device stores steeping profiles to consistently make great tea at the push of a button. Brew also reduces time, waste and energy. That's because I engineered the brew to remember control settings for temperature, brewing time and quantity. Using my patented process lets you stack steep simply and conveniently. TBiz this week travels to Kansas City, Missouri, where we discuss with Emily Jackson, founder of Emily's French Teas, the ongoing evolution of specialty retail at independent shops and tea rooms. 
Emily's retail shop and tea room, founded in 2015, spans 2,500 square feet, seats 10, and is co-located with the Centered Spirit, her husband Alex's holistic medicine practice. Emily was born in France and grew up in Paris, a graduate of the Sorbonne in business management with postgraduate degrees in marketing. She's fluent in Spanish as Emily was marketing manager for Lacoste in Mexico City. Emily curates a selection of brands that share the French finish, a blending style that showcases French expertise in wine, culinary essential oils, and perfume for more subtle and smoother tasting blends. Specialty tea retailers in the U.S. and Canada that survived lockdowns are now experiencing a precarious post-pandemic, pre-recession economy marked by steep inflation and rising interest rates. Retailers note that while the pandemic increased demand for better quality tea, in-store traffic declined as consumers enjoyed their tea at home. Home has always been the preferred location for folks take drinking tea, but prior to 2020, tea and food service accounted for 20% of global tea revenue. To attract consumers back to their cafes, tea rooms, and shops, retailers are teaching courses in person and via webinars, promoting happy hours, hosting evening entertainment, conducting food pairings and tea tastings, scheduling demonstrations on tea making with travelogues, and offering delivery service, curbside pickup, and even drive-through. Is experiential tea the key to retail customer retention? I've been in the retail business for a long time. And if you think about experiential, this is not new. Creating an experience, creating a a universe where people can feel transported or anything like that. So we, when we created this shop, was always about sharing our love for travel, our love for cultures, different cultures. That's why you can see different ambience for the culture we are from and other cultures we li- where I lived in or we learned from. What has changed before and after COVID is that you can see that people are coming less in retail shops in general I feel like uh, whether it's still sometimes a fear for just you know being around people or whether it's just a change of habit a lot of people even older generation who like to go in store now has learned also to do online online shopping and things like that so I have even people that are really close by that order online and then just pick up the tea so in that regards that's what has changed in some ways also, and I would say it's more specific to the United States because, as you can hear, of course, I, I, I'm not native from the region, but I have observed also something that I feel like more in the United States rather than other countries is that we're focusing on uh, at-home habits that people in the U.S. sometimes, you know, you go a lot here, you go out a lot and everything. And as uncertainty, uncertainty came and reached the doors of a lot of people and economic 
part of it is also looked at. And people have started during the pandemic at making the things at home, you know, mm-hmm. and including probably, you know, the, a lot of people, you had statistics that of people turning to actually uh, tea because it was comforting. So that was good for us, but at the same time, it was more, you know, again, making it at home. So if you look at the, the tea room itself, of course, that's going to have an impact, right? So, uh, as far as uh, changing strategy, it's more about how do you deliver your product or put it in the hand of your customers, whether they want to be in store or they just want to have the product because we lack it. So that's where the communication comes from. I don't know if I change that much my strategy because it's all about education. And I've always wanted to educate people about the different types of tea because there's so much misinformation out there. And maybe the only thing I would say as social media has pros and cons. One of the cons I would say is sometimes there is a lot out there and not always good information. Emily, online sales were a lifeline for many, many smaller tea rooms when they were ordered to close and later as they faced restrictions that prevented their previous level of service. First of all, we were kind of, I mean, lucky in, in some ways. It's just that when COVID hit, I was just finishing the, the online store. Mm-hmm. So, so when clients started to ask, hey, can you, you know, or can you do curbside or everything like that? So we were able to do it. You know, it's a learning curve, everything mm-hmm. that needed, plus technology and everything mm-hmm. like that. As far as logistics and everything, I would say we what was hard is we import you know, tea most of the time, and people sometimes don't understand that, but the tea from the Camellia sinensis, it's mainly grown in Asia, in Africa, in India. When it comes to deliveries in the fall, winter, when you get even more sales, because in the U.S., again, there is a pike when it's colder, because everybody was actually ordering online, and all the you know, the different uh, USPS and everything like that. They didn't have enough worker to... Uh, so, so, so those are kind of things that uh, sometimes when the client was close by, I would deliver it myself. <laughs> that happened. Do you perceive that your customers are trying to refine their taste in tea, that they are buying more expensive tea? Or do you feel that because of inflation and concerns about a recession, that people are beginning to trade down? It's a good question. First of all, for us, we're already a niche market. Uh, you yeah. know, we are we're more uh, you know high-end product uh, in the tea category. So our our people that come to see us, whether they know our brand or they know they they've been in France and they experienced some that and they're looking for that. Uh, so we're already more niche for that. So I do think yes, probably we've been impacted by that, and we're probably going to be impacted further as we may be getting into a recession. Uh, I hope people also find real pleasure that they can buy, and that's one thing of our tea, price range is higher, but those are small things that you can do for yourself that doesn't really break the bank either. So. Were prices pressured uh, upward because of logistics and uh, mm-hmm. complications and shipping in particular, you know, the, the shipping expenses? Shipping costs has increased a lot. Did you pass those costs along to your customers? Well, actually, not that much. Not yeah, as yeah. I was suggested to do that. But it's really hard, you know, to 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 which point the customer can take it. Uh, but at some point, it's hard for us too because 
everything has increased if you think about it. You know, uh, the overhead for just having a, a, a brick and mortar. Yeah. People don't think about that, but that's a lot of costs incurred. And then shipping has definitely been much about, more expensive. I bought ninety-eight dollars worth of tea the other day, and they charged me forty-four to deliver. Yeah, I'm not forty-four dollars. You know, and it's it's enough if you see, you know. $44 bill on top of your delivery, uh, on top of your base price. Mm. Theoretically, they they shipped for free, but it didn't actually work out that way. With the uh, Chinese teas, there's a 15% surcharge because of the tariffs, so that's pushed it up. Uh, shipments from China have been a lot more expensive. We don't have big volume. In order to decrease the shipping costs, because prices go overboard, and we're talking about one or third of, the, of even the price of the cost of the goods. As you come into uh, to, uh, the shop, you see that we actually have a new uh, retail, so we're uh, getting a, a second, uh, second brand. I prefer having a few, but really well curated, rather than too many. How would you define teas that appeal to the French? There's a difference for me between the tea cultivation and the tea culture. Mm-hmm. Tea cultivation is where you actually grow the tea. Mm-hmm. And I explained that to our customer, where our tree co- tea comes from. Um, and how do I pick the, the partners uh, that I work with? I want to make sure, you know, it's fair trade and uh, the teas are not, have no pesticide or anything like that. That's one thing. So all the teas that... Uh, we correct come from all around the world, as I mentioned earlier. And what makes really the difference of the French art of tea is how we finish the blend. We use expertise in wine, culinary, essential, and perfume to make the right blend. And I think it goes back to our history with wine, actually. Like you think about grapes, right? Different grapes was for tea. There's different regions. There's different countries that gonna the the tea itself, without even talking to scented tea, right. you can get some great blend just uh, for the subtle notes you'll get because of the terroir, because of the, 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 the year it's been picked. So it's, it's fascinating, and that's what I like about it. And we, what we love, in, when we do a scented tea, we never overpower the tea itself. You're always going gonna to test the, if it's a black tea, a green, a, a white most of our teas, we suggest not always to drink it with milk or sugar because you're going to lose some of the subtleties, right? Uh, so it really, um, we have aficionados that love our teas and some others maybe uh, don't, but you can't. Like I said, there's a tea for everybody. Intrigued by what you heard in today's podcast? Would you like to learn more from our global network of T-Biz journalists and tea experts? Remember to visit the T-Biz website for more comprehensive coverage. That's www.t-bizbiz.com. Thanks for listening. Farewell till next week.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.